When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey, parents. Jim Wright here along with Dr. Michael Gurian for another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. So glad to have you with us. We are today tackling another one of your questions, and we so appreciate the questions that you send to us uh, because that's what we're here for, to answer your questions. And so if you ever have a question for us, you can go to wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. And in addition to all the resources you're going to find on there, to help you grow as a parent, there is a place to submit a question. And you can submit as many questions as you want. We put them in the queue and we get to them as soon as we can. And we really appreciate that. So if you've got a question, please send it our way. Uh, Also make sure that when you're on wonderofparenting.com, you check out our sponsors, uh, the Place of Hope, the Center, uh, a center, a Place of Hope, the Center up in the Seattle area, and the link is there. They're doing great work, and if you ever are in crisis, that's a good place to start. Now, if you happen to be listening to us uh, as this is released on Monday, uh, September twenty eighth, twenty twenty, then we want you to know that there's still time for you to register for the Helping Boys Thrive Telesummit. It's going to be on Thursday, October first. Run all day. And uh, I'm going to have Michael give you a little rundown on some of the other speakers. Michael and I will be speaking, and then two others will be with us. And if you can't join us for the day or the whole day, that summit will be available to binge watch anytime between October 1st and October 7th. So if you can't catch it live, you can still catch it that for seven days. And the price is one of those you can't beat prices thanks to our sponsors. So, Michael, just give us a heads up on who the speakers are in addition to you and to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Marion Hill, who is a director in Head Start, also a youth coach, um, a really powerful black man, powerful speaker. And he has worked for us before in other areas like our Summer Institute. And we're doing programs with him and with Head Start pilot programs. Uh, a lot of wisdom and strategies on helping boys of color. And um, uh, it just, he's really very powerful. And then Eva Dwight, who is the program director of the Green Institute, a master trainer. She's been in the schools over 30 years. Uh, she'll do the strategies. So strategies for educators and parents um, around educating boys. And, and we're, all of us are going to be talking about you know, COVID education, because so many of our listeners or visitors to the Telesummit, their kids are are online for a while. So we'll also be customizing a lot of what we say to help with that. And she certainly will. Very good. So that's, uh, you just go to helpingboysthrive.org, helpingboysthrive.org, and all the information there. There's a link to the Telesummit, and we would love to have you join us. And again, if you can't be with us on October 1st or the whole day October 1st, it will be available for you. We're going to record it, 
and we'll have special access for you for seven days. Uh, I want to get to our question, Michael, because it's a, it's a really good one. There's a lot of layers here, mm-hmm. and um, I, I'm guessing this is not the only mom who's dealing with this, but we're going to be uh, specific to the question, and then, as we always do, we'll get a bit more general. So this is a mom who writes this. Hi, guys. I recently found your podcast and am loving listening to your advice. I'm a mom of two boys, 13 and 11. We have done pretty well so far, but the teen years are throwing us for a loop already. Specifically, what do you suggest is the right way to talk to and motivate a young teen boy in eighth grade who says the right things when we talk to him one-to-one at home, but in his text text messages to his friends, yes, we monitor, sounds like a totally different person. Specifically, we have his concerns about his desire to obtain and try vaping and pot. We talk about it at home, and he seems to get it when we talk about the dangers, illegality, and specific problems for teen brains. But I see him on text actively seeking out vape equipment and supplies and claiming to be a total stoner and have a bad rap. We don't believe he's actually doing these things. He tells us he isn't. But he admits to some friends have he admits some friends have tried it, but they don't do it regularly, and he has passed two random drug tests. But he clearly has a desire for his friends to think he does. He is young for his age and for his grade. He had a summer birthday, and we didn't hold him back, which I regret in retrospect. And that may play a role with his cool kid act and feeling insecure socially. He has a very entrepreneurial spirit, which he's not using for good right now advising friends he can get them cash and they can buy an Amazon gift card and open a new account his parents don't know about so that they can buy contraband. I don't want to think that he's just destined to be a pretty bad kid who lies all the time, but the dishonesty right now is out of control. Where do you draw the line between teen boys who need to sow some oats and will want some amount of privacy around their lives and flat-out liar who needs some bad consequences. And what should those consequences be? We have done a lot already, including taking away electronics, etc. I want to catch him doing this and deliver a consequence before someone else does it and ends up on his record. Thanks for your help. Okay, that's some heavy stuff, Michael. Uh, What are your first impressions? Yeah, yeah, I think this is a child and a family kind of on the cusp of, of, uh, you know, a new stage of life. I mean, for this guy... So I th- I think he has crossed the line um, beyond you know sowing wild oats because of all the lying. Uh, that in itself is enough for um, for grounding, for taking away whatever is this mode of communication he has. It sounds like they took some electronics away, but he's still got the phone because so, he's he's communicating with, you know, right with his peers. So got to take I think all of that away, ground him for a month or whatever would be appropriate in that system. And um, we need to, and and the fact that he passed the random drug test does confuse me because I actually think he's using, I think if he's this invested in all of this lying around it, that usually is what happens when a teen is starting, you know, when addiction genetics are starting to kick in, um, when some of that's starting. I hope that's not the case here, but I think they, uh, and it may not be the case because he passed the drug test, but I, I, it just fits the pattern so much that I think they ought to uh, really pursue that road. And um, But even if he's not using it all, even if he's telling the truth there, it doesn't matter. All this other lying is is not appropriate, you know, or however people say it. It's bad behavior. It's wrong behavior. It's 
not appropriate. It's not moral. You know, it that that in itself is enough. So, um, I would I would see the grounding as important, and I would see uh, that this is this can be handled in the system as okay. You're at a turning point in your life. You're 13. You're going to become a man. You can't be doing this, right? This is not what a man does. This is not mature behavior. This is wrong behavior. Um, and he may, because of grounding, may lose connection with these friends with whom he's doing this. And that would not be a bad thing, at least in the, you know, in the short term. And I think they would want to talk to the other parents also, make sure everyone knows that all this is going on. Um, because, you know, it goes beyond sowing wild oats in the sense that it's illegal, that what he's suggesting people do is illegal, and and especially because it has to do with marijuana. And even if that's a, a, a state where marijuana is legal, of course, it's not for 13-year-olds. So, um, so all of that, I think, has to get discussed in that community. Um, I think I think the dad, like a mom wrote us this, and I really applaud her. And she's, you know, she's obviously just working hard and doing her best here. Um, and I think the dad with a 13 year old boy should get more involved. Um, I never heard him mentioned here and maybe he is quite involved, but he would never mention. So, so, you know, he's a boy, he's 13, he's becoming a teen, he's becoming a man. Uh, this love to see this as a moment where the family system switches a little and dad does more now. Uh, even if it's discipline, even if it's talking to him, I think dad should tell his own story of risk taking. Um, and certainly mom should as well. Um, but you know, you you and I are we're dad are men boys who took risks we're dads I told my kids my stories of my risk taking in some ways to warn them you know um, and also to show that I knew as a dad that yeah teens take risks um, but you know but this is so illegal that it's that that's the issue here and then and I think they can explain to him too why he's doing this the risk taking and what it does in in the brain of a teen boy, the way the dopamine works. And if they don't know that I've got all this language in saving our sons, you know, how the, how teens um, take these risks, and then they get these hits of dopamine, which is a reward chemical, and it makes them feel really good, you know, and then they want to take more risks. And, uh, but at the same time, they're learning because each time they take a risk, they get the dopamine hit, but the frontal lobe is starting is trying to kick in during adolescence. And it's trying to say, well, that, that risk wasn't so good. You know, let's not take that risk again. So it is experiential learning for these young guys um, when they're taking these risks. Uh, but this one has has crossed over into into something that I think just they have to nip this in the bud right now. Now, the disclaimer is we are not diagnosing this young man. So my question will be a little bit broader. Mm -hmm. Let's let's say for a moment he is not using drugs. Uh, what throws me a little bit is that uh, you would think that his mom and that, that he would know his mom and dad are looking at his texts that they're seeing this stuff all the time because they keep confronting him. What what would cause a boy to do the things that he is doing uh, outside of being addicted? Why why would he be making up these stories or why would he be presenting himself in this way? Why would he continue to do this behavior out in the open? Uh, you know, I'm this cool guy, I've been stoned, and so on and so forth, if he's not been, and, and yet he knows his parents know about this all the time. What what would be going on in a boy like that? Yeah, a number of things. It's a great question. Um, and a number of things. One is that, yes, and she's so wise to say it, he's trying to belong. There's a group he's trying to belong in, and maybe he even wants to be the alpha in that group. 
So it's relationally kind of within the range of normal for him as this adolescent boy. Uh, she also described him as being young for his age, let's say, or young for his class. So he's working extra hard to belong, um, you know, and, and so this is a way he has found to do it. The, um, the, and then the fact that he's doing it right in front of his parents, so to speak, because he must know, I guess they've talked to him about it. So he, they must have alerted him that he doesn't have privacy. Um, I think there, he could be individuating, you know, that's part of what we do at 13, 14, 15. We, we do stuff right to rebel, or we do stuff to say, Hey, you know, I'm my own person. I can do this. And it's a pushing away. It's a, it's a individuation. We call it, uh, become, becoming, trying to become an adult by pushing against the parents and even creating friction with the parents, um, in order to individuate and become myself. So I think that could well be going on for him there. And so that there he's, and then the third thing is he's challenging them. And this is the part that's most usable for them. I think is that, that when he, when a teen, when a 13 year old does stuff that he knows is wrong, that his parents have told him is wrong, that they, that they don't like that behavior in him, et cetera, et cetera. And he keeps doing it. Um, you know, I think he's challenging them and saying, well, are you going to parent me? What are you going to do about it? You know, and he's kind of probably a strong kid, strong-willed kid, et cetera. And he is basically saying, okay, step up to the plate. And uh, so in a way, he's signaling to them what he needs, but it's, you know, covert because what he wants to be saying is, let me do this. I love this. I belong through this. Uh, you know, don't come down on me. But what he's also saying is, I'm doing it in front of you because I need you to help guide me to a healthier way of being a man, a healthier way of being, uh, you know, a person. Um, it's time for you to guide me. And so I think it's all these conflicting things are going on in his in his psyche. That's such an interesting take because I, and I know you've heard this story before too, of boys who have kind of gotten themselves into trouble. They don't know how to get out of it. And they're waiting for mom and dad to help them get out of trouble. Yeah. And they, they keep acting out not because they're being defiant. They're just saying, I'm in trouble here, but I can't get out. You got to help me step in. Um, and, and so, I, you know, what you've just outlined to me, as, as I listen as a parent, I take hope in all of that, that that's stuff that we can probably get at. It won't be easy. It'll be painful. Um, so let's go beyond some of that. Uh, could there be, no, not with this boy, but could there be uh, some psychological or emotive challenges, emotional challenges that boys could have that could lead to this kind of behavior. That uh, well, one thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Go ahead. I think you got the question. I think so. Although, correct me if I'm not going in the right direction. Um, one thing that I think could be happening, and and I'm going to bounce off of this story and make it bigger. But I'm going to use this story because it's possible. Um, sometimes boys will do this kind of behavior because they're they're you know not connected, and it's usually to father. Um, it could certainly be not connected to mom, but it sounds like he's well connected to mom. So it can happen not connected to father. We see it in in situations where there's been divorce or separation um, or where the father is just distant. You know, he's working 60 hours a week, let's say, and not doing much parenting of the son or, or mentoring of the son. It can happen in that situation. And, you know, we see it more with divorce. So the son acts out and and is trying to get that underattached parent, you know, to attach and to help and to guide and to direct. And um, 
So I'm not going to say that's happening here, but it interested me that we never heard anything about the dad. And maybe, maybe that is a little part of what's going on for this guy. And certainly if not this guy, then it could be going on for a lot of adolescent boys and families ought to watch for it. And it's, it's, it's trying, the son is sort of trying, uh, unconsciously, of course, trying to get the dad to get involved and to be involved. And he knows at some level that if the dad gets involved, that what the dad is going to have to do is uh, stomp down this behavior, let's say, you know, not violently, but you know what I'm saying, say no to this behavior, this ends, here are the consequences. Um, but that's also attachment. That also means the dad's reattached to the boy. And, the, and now he and the son are in contact. And now he and the son are working together. And the attachment is back. The attachment that, that has become distant from divorce or something else. And, but that did exist when the son was three or four or five. So one psychological thing, and tell me if this is the direction you're going, if you were mm -hmm. going somewhere else. One psychological thing with 13-year-old boys is that. It's around the dad. Were you going if, in a different direction? No, no, no. That's that's great. I, I think that's great. And of course, she mentions we all the time. So, you, and again, we never know the extent of what we means. But yeah, I assume they uh, weren't divorced. Yep. Um, is there a, you know, we often talk about pathological liars. Is there such a thing? Yeah. A lot of what we talk, okay, so um, pathological liars, we're going to all agree we're using a sort of pop term, but we all know yep. what it means. Um, we do see those, especially with the addictive genes or the addicted addiction genes and addictive personality. We see pathological lying there. We also see it with antisocial um, personality disorder in, in that realm that can cross over into malignant narcissist, you know, um, certain personality disorders can become pathological liars. Um, and the extreme of that personality disorder is like sociopathic, psychopathic. They're, they're very popular on TV, but there are not a lot of those. But we do have a number of people with antisocial personality disorder. Um, and certainly, as we know, a lot of people who have, in teen years, their, their addiction genetics are kicking in. And um, it's, so those are some areas where you can get that sort of pathological lying. With this, with this boy, with this story that we have in front of us, you know, I, I wouldn't say yet at 13, you can say this person's, this guy's a pathological liar, but but I would, I would worry, take the pop term out of it, the lying behavior, yep. it would still worry me. Yep. Because this is a pattern that if, if we don't make it our cause right now at 13 as parents, make it our cause to, to you know, end this behavior, to do our best to end this lying behavior, if we don't make that our cause, yeah, you can get to 17 and look back and go, wow, okay, we now have a pathological liar on our hands, and he probably will be the rest of his life. So this is the time. And even though this guy, we're getting one email about a guy about a particular issue, and he this may be 3% of his life, right? And 90% yeah. of his, 7% of his life is great. So, so the listener should know that all we have is this story. But if it's 10% of his life or 20% of his life, this lying behavior, that's really significant. And so, yeah, yeah, we want to take it seriously so he doesn't become what you're describing. So you've, you've talked already a, a couple ways to intervene in this this young man's life, uh, you know, to, to monitor or even uh, ground him from technology and so on, more involvement with dad. Um, what are some other strategies to for these parents now to, to move their son from where he is to where they want him to be and where he should be? 
Yeah, the be thinking about purpose, be thinking about here's a young guy who's got all this energy, wants to take all these risks, um, wants to belong, you know, he's normal, normal young guy, let's say, we need to take that energy and, and, and move it into some other life of purpose, some other way of being purposeful, that allows him to take risks, etc. I mean, like, let's say he could, let's say, say, <clears throat> if he is grounded for a month or two from all this tech and all these friends, what could he do where he still could bond with others? Let's say it's maybe it's athletics. Maybe we should, you know, maybe he should now spend time in the areas in his other islands of competence. People have, on this podcast have heard me talk about that, where every child has some islands of competence that he's good at, she's good at. So, so he's good at something else besides lying, of course. So let's get him reinvested in those things and let him take risks in those things. Those are, I'm going to assume, are going to be more purposeful. And he's going to be able to bond with others in those things, uh, like athletics or like playing piano or, or music or a band or uh, the debate team. Maybe it's time he joined the debate team, uh, which is now virtual, but the yeah. debate team. Um, you know, th there's all this other stuff that this very smart kid can be involved in that can give him these things. And so we redirect him toward those involvements. And of course he yells and he screams and he says, no, and I'm depressed and I'm going to sit in my room. And since you don't let me do this, right? That, that's all could happen, but that doesn't matter. We're strong and we redirect him to these other things. And within a two or three weeks, um, you know, he's going to be redirected. And if, if they need any local help with a counselor to help with this, absolutely get him into counseling. Absolutely. To get help with this and uh, get him aligned with a coach also get him aligned with his favorite teacher move him to these other things that's really what we what we need to do because we've created an emptiness in his life he's been defining himself through this behavior by lying and by by belonging by training others to use gift cards and you know all this stuff which was it is very entrepreneurial sure um uh that's where his some of his spirit has been as she said and um, but we're going to take that away. So there's going to be an emptiness for him. And we want to help him fill that emptiness with all these other relationships and these actions of purpose. And so if, if you know, for if a, while, a while, I mentioned it before, mom and dad take him to work. And if taking him to work means he sits for an hour and listens to them working on Zoom, uh, that's okay. He's going to learn from that, you know. And if at some point they can physically go to work, then that's good too. Um, uh Got to get him more aligned with those things. Does that help? Yeah, I think that's great. And um, uh, so in, in almost always, we get to a point where we say that it might be important to see a counselor. And I don't know that we can say that enough because sometimes we just sort of we're out of our depth on some of these things um, because we're so close to the situation. And we maybe can't always see things that we need to see. And so we need new eyes, new ears. What kind of uh, what should they look for in a therapist for for this young man and for the particular issues he seems to be struggling with? Yeah, I'll say two things there. One is if they if after listening to this podcast or getting other feedback, they end up saying, "Hmm, okay, I think actually there is something going on with with pot use, or you know, he's in the realm of substances, or something like that." In in that case then you know it would be really neat to look for a counselor who works with teen males who is in that world 
who's in the addiction recovery world, or at least has a dual credential um, to know, you know, what's going on in that world, because that's its own subspecialty. And, um, and then it would be, it will be good. And now this expands to the second thing I'm going to say that no matter what, let's say he doesn't have that. And they they know that it's not that it's just teen boy stuff they need help with. Um, definitely go to a counselor who knows how to work with teen boys. I mean, I cannot say this enough. Any counselor, okay, so all counselors are qualified and they're good and they're credentialed, um, but they don't all necessarily know how to work with teen boys. And specifically in our counseling profession and the profession I'm involved in, we don't actually get training. Most of our training without our realizing it is on how to work with females. And we don't realize that because we're just trained you know, we just learn about how, about psychology and counseling. Um, but once psychology becomes counseling, we set up systems that are really better for the female brain. And we've been told to do that. We've been told to set up an office and sit for 50 minutes talking about what people feel. And that's how we were trained. So that, of course, works way better for the female brain than the male. And so it is important, actually, to look beyond this. This person has a as a degree in counseling, look beyond that and say, does this person, is the word of mouth on this person good for teen boys? Uh, like in my school system, if I talked to other parents of boys who went to a counselor and this was the counselor and this counselor worked really well for their teen son, that kind of word of mouth and that sort of grassroots referral system to find out which counselors know how to work with teen boys, I think is very important. And you may go to your counselor at your school and you may say, okay, you know, do you know counselors that work with teen boys? Because some of the school counselors have understood that a lot of counselors don't work well with teen boys and, and they know who the good ones are, quote unquote, for teen boys. So I would really explore that. Um, let's say that he's not involved in the addiction world. Okay, then that's okay. Don't, we're not going to worry about that. But no matter what, um, counselor who works with teen boys is going to be crucial. And that leads, uh, as we wrap up, to a – that's just such a great setup for the Helping Boys Thrive Summit that's coming up. Uh, again, if you are listening to this uh, on the first uh, – or the last uh, Monday of September, October 1st, which is a thir- uh, Friday. Sorry, it's Friday. Uh, we're going to be doing the Helping Boys Thrive Summit virtually, the tele-summit. And we're going to spend a lot of time deep diving into boys, how their brains work, how they how they learn best. Uh, and um, we want to encourage you to join us uh, for that event. And you can go to helpingboysthrive.org, helpingboysthrive.org. And all the information is there. You just hit the, the link to the uh, Telesummit, and you'll find there's a video there that Michael and I have done, all the registration information, some of the things that you're going to be learning, bios and all the speakers. It's going to be a great day, and we would love to have you participate. If you're able to join us live on that day, you will have access to ask us questions. Uh, if you can't join us live that day, you will still have access to all the materials, the entire summit, through October 7th. And so you can watch uh, at your own leisure. So there'll be four sessions, and um, they range anywhere from an hour and a half to an hour and 15 minutes. So we would love to have you join us for that. Again, helpingboysthrive.org. And uh, then hit the link and head on over to the Telus Summit. And it's going to be a great event, and we're looking forward to virtually seeing you there mm-hmm. on Friday, October first. Uh, Michael, this has been so important, such important stuff, and and we say this all the time on this podcast. Most of the questions are about boys, 
uh, not because girls aren't important, but because boys tend to be underserved. And so I think this has been a, a great resource for these parents and others who have boys going through this. So thank you so much for all your insights. Mm, thank you. Thanks and, for your questions. Yes, and we do thank you for your questions. If you have a question for us, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, and just scroll down a bit. You'll find the form, and you fill that out, and you send it, and it goes right to Michael, and he sends it off to me, so we both have a chance to look at it and put it in the queue, and we'll respond to you right away, let you know we got your question. Uh, we do ask that you be patient because we have a number of questions that we're working through, but we do get to your questions. And interestingly, as I've been going through the questions lately, I've noticed that even though we haven't answered the specific question, we've answered the question uh, with other questions. So uh, we do get to these things somehow in some way. So we encourage you to keep listening, tell your friends about it, and we'll be back with you next time. Thank you, Michael. Awesome. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.